Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to say thank you so much for being with us today. Today we are continuing in our series, Close Encounters of the God Kind. And what we're doing is we're looking at encounters that people had all throughout the Bible. Because here's what I know. Uh, the church services that we do when we met in person, the, the worship, the kids' experiences, all of it was really good. And even now that we're just in this streaming format for this season... All of it. We love what we're doing. We love that we're still able to connect. We love that we're able to do that safely in this season. Um, but here's what we know about as much as what we're doing, as good as it is, what is better is when you encounter the presence of God. And so as a church, our desire is to create environments and spaces and places and times, moments when you can encounter the presence of God, because that is what we need. That's particularly why we're in this season that we're in right now called the 21 days of prayer and fasting. We do this twice a year. We do it in January and we do it in August. And in January, we add fasting to it, which is us denying ourselves something that we want and, and instead replacing it with something that is spiritual. So we're building ourselves up spiritually in this season and, uh, and, and prioritizing our relationship with God. The way we're doing that through this 21 days is and helping you provide environments for you to encounter God is uh, we are doing something Monday through Friday called the first 15. On Saturday, we encourage you to do your own, but the first 15 is the first 15 minutes of the day that you spend with God. It's five minutes in his word, five minutes in prayer, which is just talking to him, and five minutes in worship, which is expressing love to him. And you can do that easily through a worship song or just spending some time telling God how much you love him. But it's important that we give him the first few minutes of our day, that we prioritize the rest of our day around that time. That's that creating those intentional moments and times with God. And then on Saturdays, we're providing you worship set lists so that you can have your own time with God. And on Sunday, of course, we're, we're spending time in prayer here before the service and even at the end and, and together. But, but we want to encourage you to be part of this with us. We're just wrapping up two weeks of it. So we've got one week left of us stretching out ahead of us. And uh, we want to encourage you, even if you just found out about it, to be part of it with us, to go ahead and jump in. I know you missed the first two weeks. You didn't know about it, but you can be part of it with us. In fact, if you want to know more about fasting, we have some resources on our website, and there's probably a link if you're in our online campus that's being posted there for you uh, that you can learn more about fasting when we're finished here. So click on that link, open it up in another browser, and uh, take a look at that. There are different ways to fast, and we'd love you to join us this last week, and then specifically love you to join us on the next few days of prayer. And so here's what we're doing that that first first 15 minutes, uh, we are, are every uh, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m., we go live on Facebook, and we'll do it that way, so that way if you are awake and up at that time where that's convenient for you, you can join us live, but afterwards, if you've missed it, you can watch it anytime you want to on a replay as it gets posted to our website, so so you can do it anytime during the day, no excuses, you can join us, so so be intentional, do your part in, in, in creating environments where you can encounter the presence of God by joining us for the last half of our 21 days of prayer. Amen, everybody? All right. Well, as we're in this season of prayer, the thing that we're seeking to experience is God encounters. We're seeking him first. We're seeking his presence. We're seeking his power uh, because we believe that is what transforms us. And today we're going to continue in this series looking at the times that God encountered people throughout scripture, because we do see where God just moves on his own. But oftentimes we see where there's an invitation for us to take steps of obedience, kind of like joining in the 21 days of prayer, taking steps towards God. And the thing is, the scripture says that if we take steps towards him, he takes steps towards us and his steps are much bigger than mine. I am so thankful for that every single day. But we have a part to play. And so we've been looking at that throughout the series. What is our part to play? And I want you to know, I think it's important for you to know him. But And, and you can know him by listening to this message. But I want you to know him not just because of my sermon or what, what you hear here. I want you to know him because you've encountered him. I want you to know God in a very personal, real way, in a way that activates your faith, in a way that you experience a life and relationship with God like you've never, ever experienced before. That encounter, 
that you can have with him, I want it to be the foundation of your faith. So in week one, we talked about uh, how you can encounter God and that the, one of the first things God does when you encounter him is he begins to deal with the areas that you are wrestling. And so we talked about the different ways that we wrestle with those areas of life and that, that if you give God your all, it, you can trust him. He will transform those areas that you're wrestling in. In week two, we talked about how when you encounter God, one of the things he puts his finger on first is the issues that are within you. It's, it's your character that he begins to work on, the nature of a person. And so last week we talked about how how in order to do that, we need to make sure that we are looking into the proper mirrors, looking into a right reflection, that we have a right perspective of ourselves, because that's what God begins to deal with. Because a lot of us look at ourselves through, through the mirror of, of our, our failures. We look through it through the mirrors of our insecurities and God wants us to see ourselves as he sees us. And so that's one of the, the, the first things he deals with when we encounter God today. Today, I want to talk about how we can encounter God on our darkest day, uh, on the days when things aren't easy. You, you all know that day that I'm talking about. It's that day where you got that phone call that, that just changed everything. It's that day that you had to say goodbye to someone that you loved and you didn't know it was the last time you would say goodbye to them. It's that day of your deepest tragedy. It's that day where you realized you need help. It's that day that, that delivered more emotional pain than you've ever, ever known. And it's likely that day that you've continued to blame God for over and over and over again. It's that day, that day that you felt alone, that day that, that you were in that pain you need to realize that you weren't alone because scripture tells us that God's posture when we are in our deepest pain and experiencing our darkest day is this, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. This is good news. For those of you that have faced a dark day or maybe there's some of you right now that you are facing the darkest day of your life. You are not alone. God is not far from you. It's important that you know this, that you're not alone. Because here's the thing. There's a better response that I think each and every single one of us can learn. A better response to the pain that we are experiencing, especially because of the fact that pain is inevitable. Now, I know there's some pushback on that because maybe you've been told all your life that when you become a Christian, your life gets better and everything is supposed to be rainbows and sunshine, that there's not supposed to be any more pain. There's not supposed to be any more loss, no more tears, no more sin. And the fact of the matter is that's what we call heaven. When we get to heaven, there's going to be no more pain, no more worries, no more tears, no more sin. We'll all have new bodies and bless the Lord Almighty. There's a day coming when all those things, when all these things that, that trouble us will come to an end, and it's when we get there. But the Bible never says that a relationship with God means you will be absent or devoid of pain. The Bible doesn't say that, that you'll never experience anything troubling. In fact, it just says the opposite. Jesus said, troubles are coming, but take heart because I've overcome the world. God never promised you a pain-free life, but what he did promise you was that he would be with you through this life. You say, Aaron, I tuned in this morning on my darkest day because I need you to be positive. Fine, I'm positive there will be dark days. Some of you are experiencing that right now. Heaven is coming and is perfect, but it isn't here yet. And so God comes along and does what he says he'll do. He's close to us. He's close to us when we experience brokenheartedness. He's close to us when we are crushed. He's close. Most of the major life lessons that I have learned have come from moments and and times of personal pain. When, When my salvation came at one of the darkest times of my life, when I recommitted my life to God because I'd wandered so far from him. Because, you know, I grew up in church and there was a time that, that I blamed God for the issues in my life. And I walked away from him and I wound up 
I wound up in a in 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 uh, my my second marriage that was failing. I wound up deep in addiction. I wound up hating my life and hating my very self. I was miserable, and that's when God decided to step in and to save my life. He stepped in and redeemed me. I've gone through deep depression. That happened in 2019 and a major back surgery all in the same year. And God stepped into the scene and I've experienced his power. I've experienced his grace. I've seen him work as I learned to just surrender control to him through all of that. Pain can be a platform for God to do something great in your life if you know how to recognize it. And that's my hope for you today. For those of you that are in the darkest day that you have experienced ever in your life, today is it. Or maybe those of you, you're, come, you're past it. Maybe you're years past it. Maybe you're still struggling from the pain that you experienced and you're living from that point of pain today. I'm talking to you that there can be purpose in your pain if you know how to recognize it. And as your pastor, that is my greatest desire for you is for you to learn how to recognize how to turn that pain into purpose. You ever go to the gym? At the gym, they've got a slogan. You guys know what it is. Share it in the comments if you know what it is. What do they say when you're grunting out number nine and, the, and you're pushing for number 10? What do they say to you? No pain? Yeah, no gain. Right? It's because the people in the gym, which by the way, I can already tell that some of you are like, what does this guy know about the gym? Let me tell you something. I know lots about the gym. I've worked out a couple times. I've been there. I've seen a gym. I know what a gym looks like. Certainly paid the gym membership fees for a long time because it is hard to quit the gym once you sign up. Anyway, they say no pain, no gain. Because in the gym, what they understand is that, that all the workouts that you're going to do are set up underneath the pretense of resistance. That resistance in the gym creates the pain that will lead you to the gains because it's a tearing down of your muscles. And when your muscles rebuild, you are stronger. My wife, though she be little, she be mighty. She's a power lifter and she holds several records at the gym where she works out for, for power lifting. And uh, she, she's strong and she regularly complains to me about the pain that is in her legs when she's walking. And I'm like, you know what? Do you know who's not in pain? Uh, this guy, because I'm not doing what you're doing. My slogan is no pain, no pain. Come on, y'all. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I, my, my motto is exactly what Proverbs 28 says, is that only the wicked run when no one's chasing them. I ain't getting on a treadmill. That's my motto. But, but in the gym, we choose resistance to build ourselves up. We choose that pain because there's gain on the other side of it. And everything within us tends to resist pain. We don't want the pain of the gym. We don't want the pain of relationships. We don't want the pain of discipline. We don't want the pain that life offers us. We are comfort seekers, but pain can serve a great purpose in our lives. And today I want to look at that concept through the life of Isaiah who was uh, going through one of his darkest days and he had this huge encounter with God and he actually even saw a vision of God and this is him explaining it in Isaiah chapter 6. He said this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. So, so this is a year where a beloved king, King Uzziah led uh, as a king, was a great king. There was much prosperity in the kingdom. The nation was thriving. Although towards the end of his life, the last few years of his life, he kind of faltered and, and uh, things weren't looking so great as far as underneath his leadership. His life had still been something to celebrate. And so when King Uzziah died, the entire nation mourned his loss. They wept together. And so this was a dark day because the next king to come in may or may not have led the way he did, may or may not have led into the prosperity. And they were all lamenting the loss of him. Isaiah has a vision. He says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. No, he's talking about that, that, that train, right? The thing that, the, the thing that follows you when you walk, it's kind of like like a, a, well, it's not kind of like, it's exactly like when the bride comes walking into the, to the chapel, it's that long thing that's dragging behind her. He says, I saw the train, God's train and his robe filled the temple. And he's talking about, this is the glory of God. It was so full that nobody else could get in there. The temple was full, right? That's what that train represents for Kings. And above him were seraphim. 
Okay. Now, seraphim, by the way, these are different than cherubim. Seraphim are angels who minister in the throne room. Cherubim are the ones like Michael and Gabriel and Lucifer that, that are outside of the throne room. Uh, but it says, and they're all calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and Isaiah, what he's seeing in this moment and the, and the moment that things are darkest for him is that God's glory is everywhere. The angels are declaring it. They're seeing it. The temple is full. God's glory fills not only the temple, but it fills the earth, his power and his presence. That means that in the middle of his darkest day, in the middle of his problems, God was bigger than his issues. And that's what I'm saying for you today is that this vision of Isaiah, you can have as well, that when you encounter him, you're going to see him as big. You're going to see how huge he is, that God is bigger than your bankruptcy. God is bigger than the loss of your loved one. God is bigger than your failed marriage. He's bigger than your addiction. He is bigger than your depression. He is bigger than your failures and your mistakes. He's bigger than your broken relationships. God is bigger and Isaiah saw God, God's glory in everything, bigger than and transcending even the issue that he was currently facing. It goes on, he says, and at the sound of their voices, it's the angels saying, holy, 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 which by the way, it probably wasn't like, holy, holy, holy. It was more like, holy, like, I mean, holy, like, you know, that just, holy, like, it's just getting into the pure and unadulterated presence of God, I can't imagine that it's anything other than this overwhelming experience where they cry, holy! That's just me. I don't, that's, that's purely conjecture. But at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds, which are to represent the very foundations of your life, they shook and the temple was filled with smoke. It's almost to let Isaiah know Everything you're going through, I got this. I'm bigger than all this. I'm bigger than what you're facing. And their voices rang out at the goodness and the glory of God. That's why here at Simple Church, we have a goal of when we sing worship songs, we want to make sure that we're singing about how big God is. That, that there are a lot of Christian songs out there that dub themselves as Christian or as worship songs, but the songs contain more content about us than it does really about God. And so our focus on Sundays is to make sure that we sing songs together that glorify him, that as we're singing him, singing them, we are reminded of how big he really is because we need to see how big he is. We need to be reminded of how big he is and how great his glory is, how powerful he is so that the, our issues and the problems that we're facing in our life, the dark days of our life become small. Actually, they don't even shrink. They just become the size that they actually are in comparison to who God is. It's important. That it's absolutely important. It changes everything when you begin to see God clearly. And we need to know that, that God wants to reveal himself in me through what is happening to me. That, that in the middle of Isaiah's dark days, God reveals himself to him through what was happening to him. There's coming a day that we'll understand all of this clearly. We'll understand the difficulties that we face. When we get to heaven, we're going to see everything that God was doing throughout our life. And I think there's going to be this moment where everybody gets this sudden realization of like, oh, that's what you were doing. It's like this one time, my, my wife and I, when we were dating, she lived in Kentucky and I lived in here in Ohio. And every weekend she would drive to Kentucky and stay with my parents and, and we'd date on the weekends. And, and then she'd drive home and, and the next weekend I'd drive and stay at her parents and we'd, we'd, we'd see each other while I was there. And, and uh, one of those weekends she had some tests she had to study for, so I couldn't come down to see her. It was my weekend to drive to Kentucky to see her. And uh, so I didn't go down on Friday, but on Sunday I made a plan to go see her, but I didn't tell her. So I, I got up, I went to church that morning and after church, I drove to Kentucky. Now, what I did have was the opportunity to talk to her on, uh, on our cell phones because on the weekends during that time, it was free minutes, y'all. And if you don't remember paying for minutes 
on your cell phone bill, uh, then you're not old like I am. But, uh, but, but, but we, but they were free. And so we'd use up all, as many minutes as we could. When she wasn't studying, we were going to call each other and talk to each other. And that was the commitment that weekend. Well, she kept calling me on Sunday, but I didn't want her to know what I was doing. And so I kept not answering the phone, letting it go to voicemail. And she's leaving very frustrated messages with me. She's getting more and more irritated with me throughout the day, but she didn't know I was driving to Kentucky. And the reason I was driving to Kentucky was just to stand on her porch and get a kiss from her. Oh, true love. (laughs) But that's what I had planned for the day. It was a four and a half hour drive to Jackson, Kentucky. And I just wanted a kiss from my boo. And then I was going to turn around and drive four and a half hours back. Yes, I did love her. And I do love her still today. But all that day, while she was trying to reach out to me and connect with me, that whole time I was denying her access to me and hanging up on her or get on the phone and say, babe, I really got to go. She's like, this is our day to talk. Why won't you talk to me? She was frustrated. When I got there, she was like, oh, oh, this is what you were doing. Oh, this is, and I was going through all this personal pain and anguish and I really just should have trusted. And I think when we get to heaven, it's going to be like that. We're going to see, oh my goodness, God, you were working all along. Oh my goodness, on those days that we felt far from you, on those days that we were distant from you, you were working, you were up to doing things for our good. We're gonna see it, that you were at work in a mighty way on our darkest days. Second thing in Isaiah, he not only saw how God, how big God was on his dark days, and you need to see that too, uh, and, and look for it. When you're going through difficult things, look to God. Remember how big he is. The second thing he saw was this. He said, woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined. So once he sees God, he he starts feeling a certain way. He says, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And y'all, this is all of us. I think if every single one of us was in the presence of God, we would suddenly realize how pure he is and how righteous he is and how holy he is, how perfect he is, and how much we aren't any of those things. And he begins to realize that. And he said, live among a people of unclean lips. So not only does, does he have unclean lips, but the people he surrounds himself have unclean lips. And he says, my eyes have seen the king, the almighty God. He says, whoa, whoa, I don't belong here. Now, this is a right revelation with a wrong response attached to it. Because yes, God is holy. Yes, God is pure. Yes, God is all those things. And we aren't. But we don't need to stay away from God. We don't need to start backing up away from God. Right revelation, wrong response. The right thing is, is that when I can see God clearly, I'll see myself clearly. And that's what happened to Isaiah. He began to see himself clearly, but his response was wrong. Because that's not what God desires for us to do is to begin backing away from God. My prayer for you all the time is I want you to see God clearly. I want you to know him and I want you to see him clearly. And as you do, I don't want you to be afraid of him. I want you to take steps towards him. I want you to take steps towards being in his presence, knowing that, that, that you don't have to respond to the presence of God the way the devil wants you to. And that's simply through this. The devil, the devil will bring on you what's called condemnation. This is what you experience. When you start, start experiencing the presence of God or you encounter his presence and you realize how big he is, how pure, holy he is, we start, the devil wants you to feel shame. And he puts what's called condemnation on you. Condemnation shames us for what we've done, right? But conviction, conviction, which is what Isaiah was feeling in this moment, shows us how we can change. This is not love. This is what the enemy does to us. In fact, I would tell you this, that the enemy, he knows you by your name, but he calls you by what you've done. God knows your sin and what you've done, but he calls you by your name. That is love. We see that play out in, in John 8, where the, the woman who was caught in adultery is thrown in front of him. And it's likely that she was thrown in front of him because she was caught in the throes of passion with her lover that she was committing adultery with, that they brought her out in front of Jesus naked. And Jesus refused to shame her, to look on her nakedness because that would have further shamed her than just being caught. And that was the purpose of it. They brought her out into the public square. Everybody's looking at her naked, laying there. Jesus refuses, looks down at the ground and starts just doodling at the ground. He won't even look at it. He doesn't want to shame her any further. In fact, he doesn't offer her condemnation. He says to her, hey, where did all your accusers go? And you need to read the story. It's powerful. She says all of them have left because he's like, whoever's got the first, whoever has no sin, go ahead and throw the first stone, kill her. You know, and all of them left. He says, where did all your accusers go? And she said, none of them. They've all gone. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. He didn't want to shame her. 
for what she'd done. No, he said, go and sin no more. He brought conviction into her life. And that is the proper response. Realizing that God has something that he wants to do inside of you. That when you encounter the presence of God, especially on your dark days, you need to know that God wants to be at work in you in some way. So you need to look for him and you need to open, be open to what God wants to do in your life. Realize that, especially in the dark days, because he wants to do a transforming work within you. And that's what I want you to encounter. I don't want you to encounter shame. I want you to encounter conviction that shows you how you can change. Then watch what happens. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hands, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. The altar is the place where they did the sacrifice. This is where the, the lamb would have been slain. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament law required an animal to be slain and the blood to be poured out on the altar. And so this is, this is where he took the coal from. Here's the blood, right? And he said, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying this. So he said, he said your sin's atoned for. In other words, that, that uh, you may feel small uh, due to seeing yourself clearly, uh, but God is doing something in you and, and God is doing something for you. Despite how you're feeling right now, just, just be open to it. He goes on and he says, whom shall I send? This is, this is the heavenly father. He said, whom shall, shall I send and who will go for us? Which, by the way, us is not to confuse you. This is the Trinity speaking. This is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who's, who's going to go for us? And watch this. And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. See, we need to realize that we, in, when we encounter dark days, that God has a purpose for those dark days. Now, that's not to mean... The, the cliche that everybody says, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Now, I don't like that because that phrasing means that God had intended for you to experience bad things. That, that almost that that bad thing happened in your life because God made it happen in your life and he intended for it to happen because that's not what scripture says. It says all good things come down from the heavenly father, that he, that he only gives good things to his kids. No, evil doesn't come from God. Evil comes. Bad things happen to us in life because we live in a fallen world that is under the curse of, of sin. When sin entered in, everything changed. And we live under that curse here in this world. Bad stuff happens because of that, because of our choices, because of our sinfulness. No, but what God does do is he'll grab a hold of the bad thing that happens for you to you, and he will add purpose to it. God, and that's called redemption. He'll add purpose to your pain if you'll let him. Check it out. When I can see myself clearly, I'll see my future clearly. When you can see who God is, you encounter him, you see how big he is, you begin to see the work that he wants to do in you, you can begin to see the purpose that God has for you. Not only have some of the biggest lessons uh, that I've learned and gained in life, the strengths that I've gained in life that come through the greatest pain, but the biggest opportunities for ministry, the biggest opportunities for me to help other people have come from those moments of pain. Uh, the, the depression that I went through in 2019, I, I'm now on a mental health journey that, that I get stronger every day and I invest in it every day. In fact, one of my pastor friends said to me, Aaron, he said, what, what's happening is I believe God intends to use your life as a picture for pastoral mental health so that other pastors can see there is a better way that God intends something better for them. And I receive that and I walk under that. I've spoken at conferences about pastoral mental health. I got called to go speak during this season of pandemic at other churches on mental health because we need it during this season. So more people are depressed, more people are having suicidal thoughts as a result of being in this new, this new environment, this pandemic than ever before. And God gave me that ministry to do. As a result of the addictions, I'm able to step into addiction communities and minister better because of, of the, the addiction to, unfortunately, I, I mean, I, not unfortunately, I never did drugs, fortunately. I've never touched the stuff. So my addiction didn't come in the area of drugs or alcohol. It came in the, the form of pornography. And so there's unwanted sexual behaviors in my life. And so I've explored how to upend that in my life. And God has done that work in me, broke that cycle of addiction and shame. And I talk about it. And now I get to walk with other people and, and, and lead groups and help 
and help people get free from sexual addiction and unwanted sexual behaviors. Because of the bankruptcy I've walked through, we prioritize making sure that as a church, we, we have Financial Peace University. And, and I point people to Dave Ramsey because Dave Ramsey helped me learn how to manage our finances as well. Like I, Because of the pain of a failed marriage and a failing marriage, I help people walk through marital health. Like These are all ministries God has given to me because of the points of pain that were in my life. And God has and continues to use my pain to serve others. And I believe that he wants to do that in you as well. Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man Searching for or Search for Meaning. And Viktor Frankl is somebody who was assigned to helping uh, Holocaust survivors. And so they'd put them all in this facility and, and, uh, and, and he was assigned to helping them because a lot of them, a lot of the Holocaust survivors wound up uh, ending their own lives and having this just this terrible life after experiencing the tragedy and of course of the Holocaust experience. And so Viktor Frankl uh, was assigned to them and, and he went against what modern psychology was saying. Modern psychology, Sigmund Freud and all the, these major heads in that world said that all people really needed in order to deal with their pain was some pleasure. So, so give them a hobby, give them something to do uh, that, that takes their mind off of their pain and that you're never really going to deal with the pain, but, but the pleasure will numb the pain. And Viktor Frankl came along and disagreed with that. And he had this therapy that he wanted to walk them through that was three-pronged in its approach. He called it logotherapy. And, uh, and, and he believed that people could be healed completely because uh, from the pain that they had walked through, through from their darkest day. And he, he believed three things that every person f- that, that has experienced a dark day in their life needed. First of all, he believed that they needed work that had meaning attached to it. So work that was meaningful. Uh, by the way, here at Simple Church, we call that being on the dream team, where you have work that has meaning to it. You're helping people know God by serving on one of those teams. The second thing he believed that every person needed was relationships or a community where they were loved unconditionally. Uh, here at Simple Church, we call those um, grow groups, by the way. Uh, and if you're not in one, you should get in one. They're forming and, and will be uh, forming now. We need leaders for groups and we need you to join a group. They're coming here in the next couple of weeks. And the third thing Victor believed that, that uh, everyone needed was um, a way to take their suffering and their pain and give it meaning. In other words, in other words, give it purpose. Because the pleasures that, that modern psychology had taught them merely dulled the pain, but adding meaning to their suffering brought healing to the people. And so I love it in this situation where we see that modern science and psychology catches up to biblical truths that have been there for thousands of years. Specifically, we see in, in the life of Joseph. Joseph was somebody who... who who says this? He said, you intended to harm me because Joseph's brothers uh, threw him into a pit, lied to his dad, told him he was dead. So nobody ever came looking for him, sold him into slavery. He went and worked in a house where he was betrayed and thrown into prison. And then he did good work in the prison and was promised that, that his name would be mentioned before Pharaoh. And, and the guy who promised him that forgot him for years. And so he wound up staying in prison way longer than he needed to stay in prison and, but eventually he was elevated to a position in the palace and he was given an opportunity to, to, to save all of Egypt and even his own family. And Joseph says this after he went through all that he went through years and years of the worst day of his life. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. You see, he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And I believe that God intends that for you as well. That what the enemy intended to use to harm you, God has intended it for good. God didn't cause it, but God will use it. God will use it for your good and for the good of others because there's purpose in your pain. If you'll let God use it, it will turn that pain around. Paul said this in Romans, we know that God causes everything to work. Everything, by the way. So what does everything mean? It means everything. It means your worst day. It means your best day. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God has a purpose for your pain, everything, for your good stuff, your bad stuff. He's got a purpose for all of it. God will use them for his good and for his purposes. There's this uh, story. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a funny story of an African king. He had this servant who was like his best friend, went everywhere with him, did everything with him, but he had this annoying habit. 
Every t everything that happened, the servant would say to the king, this is good. So if it's raining outside, this is good. There's trouble in the kingdom, this is good. There's famine in the land, this is good. Everything was, this is good. And it was obnoxious, but he was his friend. One day they were out hunting and the servant loaded up the king's gun and the king went to aim his gun. And when he pulled the trigger, it, it exploded, the, the, the gun exploded and it blew his thumb off. And the king looks and sees that his thumb is gone and he turns to his servant. He said, what happened? And the servant said, this is good. And so the king, in a fit of rage, takes his servant friend and he throws him into jail. About a year later, the king is out hunting again and he encounters a tribe of cannibals and they capture him and they're going to eat him. They're going to eat everybody in his party. And uh, of course, um, they, they go to do that. They go to, they go to eat him, to eat him whole. And uh, cannibals are, are superstitious. And when they notice that his thumb is gone, they're like, no, we don't want to eat him because he's not whole. So they let him go. And so he, of course, relieved, goes back home. But his mind turns to the day when his thumb got blown off and his friend, who's still in jail. So he goes and visits his friend in jail. And he says, man, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I put you here in jail. And he tells him the story about what happened to him. And his friend looks at him and says, this is good. And the king said, no, 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 you've lost a year of your life. How could this possibly be good? He said, well, he said, if you hadn't put me in here, I'd have been out there with you. So this is good, everybody, right? Amen? Like this is good is an attitude that we need to adopt because your pain can either be your prison or it can be your power. Your pain can be your prison or it can be your power. Man, somebody needs to write that down. Somebody needs to tweet that out. It is the truth. Your pain can be your prison. It can be the thing that holds you back. You're going to have dark days. You need to embrace that and stop resisting it. You need to stop ruminating over it and wondering all the whys and putting energy to the past and being stuck in that moment. It happened. It's done. The dark day is upon you. I'm not trying to be insensitive to it. I just know that it's, that you're either experiencing one right now or one is coming. That's just reality. And you can either let it be your prison and hold you back, or you can let it be the platform that empowers you for God's purposes in your life. That is your choice, your choice. So three responses, let me give them to you quickly, that I want you to have today is this. The first one is run to God, not from God. Because none of this makes sense without him. Remember, I said, I said, this comes after you encounter God. That in the middle of your darkest day, you need to look for him. You need to run to him, not from him. Some of you may feel that on your darkest day that God let you down, but that's not the truth. God is so close to you. In fact, he's closer than ever. You just need to look for him. And if you do, if you'll seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. That's what you need to do. That's what Isaiah did. That's him saying that. Hey, seek the Lord. Seek him with everything. There's some of you here today, man, you're watching and you have been running. You have been running from God. Maybe it's because you blame God for something and you feel like you know, you're punishing him, that your distance from him is, is hurting him. But I'm gonna tell you the pain that you're in right now or the pain that you experience and the residual from it, it's not gonna get any better. It's not gonna get any better. You're just gonna continue to hurt. There's others of you today that maybe you're not running from God, but you're also not running to God. Like you're one of those Christians that you're happy to be a fire insurance Christian. You're happy to, you're going to heaven, but I don't want to surrender my pain. I don't want to surrender my whole life to God because surrendering your whole life would include your pain. It would include those moments that have been difficult for you. And here's the thing, the same for both of you. That pain, it's never going to get any better until you fully surrender it. To God, you must choose to encounter God fully so that you can do this. Is if you'll seek me, you'll find me when you seek me. Here's the, here's the condition with all your heart. You've got to learn to seek God with all of you, every part of you. God, I'm seeking your face. I'm seeking an encounter with you, but I'm not just seeking to encounter you in the areas of my life that are pretty in the areas of my life that look good on social media in the areas of my life that I want to talk about. God, I want to seek you and surrender to you 
the areas of my life that are hard to talk about, the areas I don't want to talk about, the areas I might carry shame talking about. God wants to put his hand on those and he wants to transform your life and he wants to use those moments of pain, those dark days for his purposes. It's gonna take all of you, not just parts of you. You gotta go all in. Because honestly, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose in this situation if you go all in? Number two, the second thing I want you to do, the second response I want you to have is to take steps towards growth. Take steps towards growth. You know, the reason why bad days come along and they mess you up so bad is because you've got no depth. You haven't taken time to, like a tree, grow some deep roots. Get planted. Get, get planted in, in a church. Get, get planted in your relationship with God. Get planted. A lot of you, you're, you're more like, like uh, the difference between a bobber and an anchor, if you've ever, ever uh, been out on the water. A bobber just kind of floats on the water and gets washed around and gets thrown around by every little wave of the sea. But an anchor, an anchor sinks down to the bottom and grabs a hold of rock and just stays there. We need you to be an anchor. We need you to have some weight and some strength to you so that you can navigate the difficulties of life. It's time to grow. It's time, time to just to move just from the place of, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, hey, to I'm having a deeper experience with God. You need to take some steps. Like Peter said, like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you'll grow into a full experience of salvation point is there's more. There is more than just saying yes to Jesus. There is more than just showing up on Sunday mornings for a service, whether that's in person or streaming online. There is more to the salvation experience. He goes on, cry out for this nourishment, like a baby. Baby cries out because that's what it knows how to do. It can cry. It can't walk. It can't crawl. It can't get it itself. Cry out. What God has for you, you can't get on your own. You need to seek him for it. Cry out for nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. There is more. Take steps. Choose to grow. Some of you, you've said yes to Jesus, and we've asked you to fill out that Connect card, and you've refused to fill out the Connect card and take the next best step that you can take. Because if you fill out that Connect card, we're going to say, hey, welcome to the family. Your first step, your next step is to get baptized. And some of you, you, you filled out that Connect card. You've gotten that response from us. Maybe you've even gone through growth track and you know that baptism is important, that it's the first thing Jesus asks you to do as Lord of your life. And you're like, eh, I'm not sure. You're resistant to it. I don't even understand why. Just do it. Take a step. Others of you, you need to get into a group. You push back from, from being in a group. I don't, I don't know why. Just take a step. I understand you may not know people there. I understand you may have never done it before. Quit disqualifying yourself. Just take a step to grow. Get in a group. They're, they're going to be launching soon. I'm telling you, watch in the next couple of weeks. The catalog is going to go up and then they're going to be full. And then you're going to be on the backside of it complaining that you didn't get into one because they're all full. Which leads me to my next point. Lead a group so that we don't have groups that are full. So that we've got groups that are full of people, but there's openings for more people that want to get in. Lead a group. You can lead an activity group. You can lead a study group. Just fill out the form. It's being posted in the online campus now. It's in the, the description. The link is in the description of the video right now. Lead a group. Take a step to grow. Some of you don't, haven't trusted God with the tithe yet. And, and here's the thing. I don't need to guarantee it. I don't need to guarantee you that you'll have enough for all that you need. If you'll trust God with the first 10% of your income, that he'll do more with the 90% that he lets us have than you could do with 100%. I don't need to guarantee that for you. God guarantees that. In fact, he even says, test me. He says, test me, take a step. Some of you, one of the steps you can take is just to prioritize your own relationship with God. Stop living off of my relationship with God. I love to see you here on Sunday mornings, but I would love as your pastor for you to have a relationship with God yourself. And so step it into the first 15 Get into the first 15. Learn to do it on your own. Get into a healthy rhythm of a relationship with God on your own. Crack open your Bible. You may not have ever done it before. That's okay. Do it. Take a step towards growth. Some of you have been part of our church and never gone through growth track. You've been hanging out with us, but you've never taken a step to become a member of our church and understand what we're all about. Make that current firm commitment. Put down some roots. God's put you here for a reason. Make a commitment. Take a step to grow. Amen, everybody. And here's the third thing. It's the third response I need you to make is to allow God to use 
what I've been through to help others. This is a choice. The other two are steps are our choices too, but this is one you specifically have to choose. Choose to allow God to put his hand on that pain, to heal it, to transform you, but then to add meaning to it by, by allowing you to use it to help others. I think that, that we feel like the thing that disqualifies us, that thing that, that we went through, that difficult thing is what, what disqualifies us from ministry. But actually, the thing that disqualifies you is what qualifies you the most. Because you've been through it. You know what it feels like. In fact, it, it puts you in a position to minister better uh, to people who have experienced something that I've never gone through before. That's why I need you. That's why I want you to be part of this church. Every bit of pain that you've experienced, you've gone through stuff I haven't. You've gone through stuff that, that all of the pastors on our team haven't gone through. And you can minister to people in a very, very real pain. Just like God uses my story, God uses my pain. He wants to use your story. He wants to use your pain too. Your pain qualifies you to speak to other people's pain. Look at this. Paul said this, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. But watch this. He said he comforts us in all our troubles so that there's, there's a purpose and the reason why God comforts. He comforts you in all of your troubles so that we can comfort others. There's purpose to your pain. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. That area where you've hurt the most is where you can help the most. I'll say that again. That area in your life where you've hurt the most is the area that you can help the most. That's how bad days are turned around. That's how your pain can make a difference in this world. Amen, everybody. Let's pray. Father, today, um, I pray for those that are experiencing pain, that are walking through very difficult and dark days. They're walking through darkness in their marriage. They're walking through some difficulty in their relationship with their kids right now. They're experiencing financial pain through loss of career or loss of opportunity or maybe some mistakes that they've made along the way. Or maybe God, the, the pain that they're feeling is in their body and I know that that constant chronic pain is debilitating mentally and physically. I know that pain and so I pray for those that are dealing with sickness. Maybe it's even just COVID-19 or some other disease that's going on right now, going around cancer. Lord, I also pray for those that, that are experiencing just sickness in their minds, that they've got some mental health struggles. And I don't want to shy away from talking about that. Lord, I feel like it needs to be a normalized thing, something that we talk about more, more and more, because I believe that Jesus, you paid a price for us to experience mental health. So I pray for those that are struggling right now in their minds. And I pray, God, that you would take that, that pain and that you would heal it. And that as you do that, Lord, as they encounter your presence right now, Lord, that they would take steps towards you. Father, I pray that they would see how big you are in comparison to their issues and their troubles. And I pray that, that uh, God, as they see how big you are, that they would begin to see themselves clearly and begin to see the purpose that you have in their life, what you want to do in their lives and how you want to use their pain. Father, I pray that from this day forward, we would not be defined by our bad days, but what we choose to do with them through your power and your grace. Now, there are those of you that are here in this space as we continue to pray one, this one last moment. It's time for you to go all in. It's time for you to run to God. And uh, I feel like it's important that you know that God's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. God's not surprised by the current state that you're in. He's not surprised by any decisions you've made, by attitudes you've had. He's not surprised to hear that maybe you've, you've been punishing him all these years. But I want you to know that God loves you. God wants to be in relationship with you. But the way God works is he wants you to go all in. In fact, his response to you, someone who goes all in is when you give all of yourself to him, he gives all of himself to you. That, that's the contingency. We call that making Jesus Lord of our life. It means he's in control. We go all in. 
here's all of me. Here's every part of me. I'm surrendering to your will. I'm surrendering to your way. I'm receiving forgiveness. I'm receiving grace. I'm receiving the do-over. I'm receiving your power that you're filling me with to live for you and to tell others about you. I'm here. I'm in. Whatever you want, God, I'm here. If you're ready to not only have heaven waiting for you in eternity when this life is over, but to experience the full and fulfilled life God has for you here on this earth. Pray this prayer with me. Click the I'm raising my hand to say yes to Jesus if you're in our online campus. Fill out the connect card whenever you're done. Let us know you're taking this step. But right now, your job is to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you. The darkest hour of my life, I need you. Every moment, I need you. Forgive me of my sins today. Make me brand new. Add purpose to the pains that I've experienced. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you and empower me to tell others about you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer today, heaven's having a party. We're celebrating with you as well. You'll see the woohoos in the in the comment section here in our online campus as people celebrate and emote. Man, we're just so glad that you have made this decision today. As I said before, make the second best decision today right now. Fill out a connect card so that we can help you with the rest of the steps in your spiritual journey. We want to welcome you to our spiritual family and we want to walk with you because you're not meant to do it alone. Amen, everybody. So make that, uh, click on that button, fill out that connect card for us as we Wrap up today's message. I want to uh, give you an opportunity to give. Uh, thank you so much for your faithfulness in doing that. Ways to do that are popping up on the screen. Uh, if you're new to this, you can give through, uh, we have a Simple Church app that you can download. Uh, you can also uh, text to give. You can also uh, visit our website. If you're your first time giver, that's probably where you want to start so that you can get on our website. Uh, the link to do that is of course being posted here. It's mysimple.church slash give. Uh, and uh, or you can mail in checks if you'd like to. Those can still be done and all that information is on the screen. We so value your generosity and all you're doing to expand the kingdom of God in this season and your partnership with us. Uh, I wanna say, hey, make sure you're back here next week. Take an opportunity to invite somebody to next week's service. Take an opportunity to invite somebody to watch this service with you. Uh, we have a 10 a.m., a 12 p.m. Eastern time. It's also on Facebook, so it's very easy to share. Uh, our messages also get posted up on YouTube, which you can follow and subscribe and easily share as well. But invite somebody to service next Sunday. Share this message today. Be part of spreading uh, some good news on social media and across the internet. Amen, everybody. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next week for week four of Close Encounters of the God Kind.